Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a good spell uh, on the journey of Voice Wallers Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day. And, I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. Who wouldn't want to celebrate the Words and Nerds fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny B. Tonight, I'm super excited to welcome Tobias Madden. Tobias edited and published Underdog, Love Oz YA short stories, which featured his first published work variation. He also co-wrote the cabaret show Siblingship, which is very cool, which played to sold-out audiences in Sydney, Melbourne, and Canberra. Tobias is a member of the Love Oz YA and LGBTQI communities. Today, we're going to chat about his debut novel, Anything But Fine, that just hit the bestsellers on Booktopia. Well done and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I've listened to countless episodes of this podcast, so it's very surreal to be sitting here talking to myself (laughs) now. Well, it's lovely that you've listened to episodes and you still want to be on, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> loved this book and you know for a debut it's just such a beautiful book you know and we'll get into depth obviously but can you start by giving an elevator pitch about this beautiful book yeah so anything but fine is the story of luca mason who's a 16 year old incredibly gifted ballet dancer uh, who falls down a flight of stairs and shatters not only the bones in his foot but his dreams of ever having a career on stage Um, After that happens, if that wasn't already bad enough, he then loses his performing arts scholarship to his very fancy private school um, and has to move to the public school down the road, kind of saying goodbye to his friends and the only life he's ever really known. Um, So it's kind of, you know, a super personal story for me and it's it's a lot to do with identity uh, and grief and finding your place in the world and navigating all of those fun kind of teen experiences um, that everyone goes through, but through through a different kind of lens, I guess. Mm, absolutely. Like I've, I'm still going through all those things, Tobias. So it's not just teaching. <laughs> I know. Still working I through know. all that. <laughs> and what really struck me, though, is, you know, you talked about his extraordinary gift, you know, as a dancer and how that can be ruined by something really ordinary. And that's what really struck me. How did you sort of come about that? Um, yeah, I really, I wanted it that injury um, that he sort of sustains in the opening chapter to be from something just really normal, not from some big dance competition or some, you know, incredibly difficult thing that he was attempting. It's just a staircase. And it's just, you know, I think all dancers very much know that their entire career hangs in the balance. Um, and the smallest of things could kind of throw that off and ruin everything. So, yeah, I love that I could include that kind of very banal sort of injury that that Mm. then turned out to be completely devastating um and you know the idea I kind of can't quite pinpoint exactly where it came from I found the other day uh my very very initial note that I made about the story um which was in about July 2018 I think um and it was just a really really vague note 
about a ballet dancer and a rower and a nerdy girl. And <laughs> I think it was just that, that character dynamic that originally kind of sparked something in me. Um, and then from there, once I actually sort of started um, the brainstorming process, the, the first line of the book came to me very early on in that process. Um, and so the first line, not a spoiler at all, obviously, <laughs> it's the first line. Um, the first line is, the second it happens, I know my life is over. And so once I had that in my head, the, the rest of the story really kind of just fell into place around it. Um, I was going through a pretty big transition myself at that point where I uh, was kind of mid-stepping away from my own career as a dancer. Um, so I think that was influencing my thinking a lot, though at the time, I didn't really realise that I kind of had no idea, which seems so ridiculous looking back on it. Um, but it really was kind of my subconscious at work, I guess, and helping me kind of process what I was going through in a, in a very roundabout way, writing this entire novel instead of just dealing with it on my own terms, um, like any normal person would. No, um, books are therapy. They certainly aren't talking about them. Also therapy. This is why I do this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I think I've had that experience from so many other people's books. But, you know, obviously this is my first book and I didn't realise how much you can get out of it in that sense, you know, when it's your own writing. But I think the magic of it is that, you know, you're unaware of it. You're, you, you have no idea that it's helping you process these things until you have that finished product. You step away from it and then you come back to it and see that it kind of is mirroring some of your experiences during that writing process, which, you know, it kind of blew my mind. It's really cool. No, it is. And that's why I love speaking to authors because even if you don't think a piece of you is in the writing, like it has to be, you know, it has to come from somewhere. Even if it's not reality, you know, it's come from somewhere inside you. And I've spoken to authors where, you know, we talked about things that happened in their childhood and they're like, oh, that's how that happened in the book, you know. So it's a really fascinating process about where ideas come from. I am interested in the fact that you were a professional dancer and, of course, you know, our main character, Luca, is also a dancer. So what did you take from your experiences in, in dancing and where did sort of fact and fiction end and begin? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I spent the majority of my life as a dancer, like writing is more of a new thing slash a throwback to my kind of very early childhood when I was all about books and reading and writing and, um, you know, all of the kind of quintessentially nerdy things. And then I started performing when I was about 14 and everything else kind of fell to the wayside. Um, it's, it's a pretty all or nothing career. So once yeah. you start and once you have that as a goal, it, it does take up pretty much, um, all of your bandwidth as a human being um but yeah so then I you know I studied at some really incredible institutions and then went on to perform professionally for about 10 years um and it's really funny because I you know from one perspective I was super lucky in that I got to do it at all because so many people don't um but it's you know that awful thing where you're constantly comparing yourself to everyone else and seeing you know friends of mine who just jumped from show to show to show to show to show that made me kind of feel weirdly unsuccessful, even though I did some fantastic shows and tours and stuff. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird game and a weird mindset, but you know, one that I'm so grateful to have ever been a part of. I think the dance community um, is really special as is the whole arts community. Obviously mm. we're, we're obviously the nicest, loveliest people oh, on the planet. Without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. You know, anytime there's a crisis, it's, it's always the artists who come first yeah. to help out, you know, with mm -hmm. anything. But, yeah, I just, um, 
it was a really beautiful thing. And I think that um, sometimes dancers don't get enough credit or recognition for things other than dancing, um, you know, because that's, that's the skill that you see, that's what you're applaud on stage. But when I have taught dance in the past, I've always tried to make it really clear to students that, you know, through their dance education, they're learning so much more than the technical skills. You know, there's so much about empathy and vulnerability and discipline and all of these things that you really can take with you anywhere, you know, even just like problem solving and thinking outside the box and that sort of stuff. Um, it's just so applicable in so many industries. And I, I wish that we could make it clearer to everyone, you know, parents and kids who are training that it's more than just dance, you know, and it's about the community and so many things. So, yeah, I'll always be incredibly grateful for having been a part of that. And I'm still a part of it. You know, my husband is, is a professional music theatre performer so I'm, and all of my friends are performing. <laughs> so I'm still very much in the world, but um, it's kind of, these days I really love looking at it more from the outside and appreciating what they're doing and not having any of that pressure on myself. And I can just sing and dance around the house like a fool and, and not worry about if it sounds good or looks good. And you know, I can just enjoy it for myself now, which is really nice. I love that. And you're saying, you know, with dancing, there's discipline, there's empathy and vulnerability. And that would be the same as writing a book too, though. So you, you've been able to take those skills, I imagine, into this new creative endeavour. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, like I trained in um, acting and singing and stuff as well. So I feel like I'm very used to kind of opening a vein, you know, for the sake of art yeah. and really exposing my deepest, darkest secrets like you do in drama school and all of that sort of stuff. So I really do think that all of that kind of training and experience really helped me um, to write the book, you know, and allow myself to share kind of those parts of myself that I maybe don't share, you know, with everyone, um, which I think is really fun and special and kind of cathartic as, as well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that the older I get, the more vulnerable I become, but there's strength in that vulnerability, mm. you know, strength that I didn't have in my 20s because there's so much bravado in your 20s. And then, um, <laughs> you know, that vulnerability, you think, hang on, there's strength in this. It's an odd oh, yeah. feeling though, isn't it? But reflecting upon it, like, why did I do this? But that, you know, you wouldn't be 20 if you were so wise, right? <laughs> no, I guess, I guess that's the joy of getting older, isn't it? But it's so true. And I think that, you know, I, that vulnerability is such an important thing. And I think it leads to such kind of deeper connections in, oh. in every sense in your life, you know, and I think it's a really important thing to foster in kids and just in each other. You know, I feel like we have so many walls up and sometimes those boundaries are super necessary, but a lot of the time, you know, we don't necessarily say how we're feeling, which, you know, I guess is, is the title of the book. You know, it comes from a line um, in one of the other early chapters where, you know, everyone is keeps asking Luca, the protagonist, all these questions about how he's doing and how he's feeling. And he just keeps saying that he's fine because he doesn't want to deal with it or process it or tell anyone how he's really feeling because he's really feeling like, you know, absolutely terrible mm -hmm. and thinking that his life is over. So you can hide behind that word and say, you know, I'm fine instead of being vulnerable and getting help you know a lot quicker than you probably should mm, absolutely and I do think it was recent that we all just had to soldier on you know something happened in our lives and we were sick and there was this kind of sense in society and I think I hope it's gone from to the wayside a little bit that you just got to keep going you just got to keep soldiering on 
And I just don't believe that anymore. You know, I think you, you need to pause and you need to say, no, I need some help or I'm struggling here. And, you know, I feel very comfortable doing that now, whereas I think in the past it was, no, I've got to soldier on. I mean, that's not very good for us. <laughs> no, it's not at all. And especially I think, you know, growing up in the country, that attitude is, is so much more pervasive and it's that kind of toxic masculinity and all of that kind of throwback um, where it's, you know, people don't, deal with their feelings and especially boys are not allowed to cry and are not allowed to be vulnerable and that sort of stuff. But I think that's changing a lot, which is really awesome because, you know, it's not healthy in any way to, to not cry and to not be sad and to not grieve and all of those things. You have to fit in that when you need to and then then you can move on. You know, it's just all a part of it. And I think, yeah, I think those attitudes are changing, which is so, so good. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked how, you know, you challenged toxic masculinity through your character, Luca, with Jordan, you know, and, and I like how Jordan said, no, but there are rules to being, you know, who I am. And it's really interesting because we, we're not sort of told these rules, but we know that they exist and they're really hard to break through, particularly, I think, if you're a character like Jordan. Yeah, and it's interesting, like you just said, like, no one really says what the rules are. And I don't think, you know, if in that particular moment in the story, if Luca had asked Jordan exactly what the rules are, that Jordan would even be able to say, but you feel those pressures from society or family or whatever. Um, and, you know, you think there's a certain way to be this or to be a man or to be straight or gay or whatever. You think there's certain ways, especially when you're a teenager and you're mm -hmm. coming to terms with, all of those kind of parts of your identity that are kind of vying for attention against each other, you kind of, you know, you think there are rules, but in, in the end, there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's, just, it's really hard to get your head around that, though, especially as a teenager, but even as an adult, like I feel yeah. like we all probably are still doing that a great deal. But I think it's, and as a teenager trying to define, you know, which is which you follow and which you don't and which you can challenge that's tricky I mean it's tricky as an adult but mm. I think you just as you get older you care less what people think and you're happier to be your authentic self because then you draw those people who like you the way you are you know to you rather than yeah. having those friendships you know in teenagehood that are kind of fraught with so much anxiety and does everyone like me and what do they think of me and finally you get to your 30s you're like I don't even care <laughs> I just don't have the Literally energy. Literally could not care less. <laughs> If you like me, cool, let's hang out. If you don't, cool, let's not hang out. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's as well, like when you're a teenager, you know, when you're at school, you're kind of forced together with people mm. that, you know, you don't necessarily connect with on any level and you, yeah. you have to be there with them and you have to kind of interact and get along. And it's different when you're an adult where you really get to choose who you surround yourself yeah, with, true. you know, to, to a large degree. Um, but yeah, in school, it's kind of that melting pot of so many different personalities mm. and attitudes, and that's really hard to navigate. And yeah. people obviously still find their people and their cliques and that sort of thing. But, you know, I think that's one thing I loved about, you know, in the story, how Luca um, has to change schools, because he's going from this world where he's just there with his ballet friends, he's there with them at school, he's there with them at ballet after school, but then he's taken away and put in this completely new environment and has to sort of suddenly fend for himself with people that he doesn't see eye to eye with which is super confronting for anyone you know mm. and at the same time he's lost his identity or the thing that defines him the most and what I really liked about that is you know as human beings you know we all evolve over time 
but we're often not forced to evolve. We evolve because we've learned something new or we're exploring something new or we feel like we you know, want to change. But in this case, he was forced to evolve. And I think that's a lot harder when you attach yourself to a particular thing that defines your identity. And we all do it, you know, like books are my identity or, you know, this is my identity. And if that's taken away from you, there's that sort of hold and space of all well, then who am I now? And I just really liked how you explored that because we go through that constantly in our lives. Yeah, and I think it's probably not, you know, as common for teenagers to have to face that kind of crisis because they are kind of just beginning and figuring all of that out. But, you know, for dancers, that that is wrapped up in your identity completely, you know, and it, it's, it's great because it really helps you commit to the art form and, and all of that and it gives you determination and drive. But then if it is taken away, then you're kind of left with, you know, nothing and with this huge crisis. And um, I think, you know, the interesting thing, like you said, is that we do go through that constantly in life. There's so many times when you have to change and adapt. And sometimes it's for a positive reason. Um, you know, like when some of my friends recently have had kids, they're suddenly just like, well, now I'm, now I'm a mom. And it's this massive change and yeah. it's a beautiful thing, but it's still an enormous change that you have to go through. And anyone that's ever had to change career halfway through their life, whether they wanted to or not, it really is kind of quite difficult to grapple with when you're suddenly like, okay, I can't say I'm this, I can't introduce myself as, hi, I'm Tobias, I'm a dancer, which is literally what you want to say. Like, it's such yeah. a weird thing. And it's, I think, you know, something that we've all kind of learnt over these last couple of years is that it's really easy for all of that to be taken away, yeah. um, you know, for so many reasons out of our control. And, and we have to kind of be more than what we do we can't you know just define ourselves by our jobs even though 90 percent of us probably do um it's you know the last couple of years have forced us to look outside that and and you know think of ourselves in different ways mm, i couldn't agree more and when you touched on motherhood i mean that resonates with me because then you find it's so hard as they grow up to then find where your identity is again you know because for mm. so long you are a mother and that's great because you know you're taking care of the I'm trying to get these vulnerable things alive which is really important yeah. <laughs> but then after you get out of the fog of that and they go to school you think oh wait I was a person with things that yeah. I like to do and places I like to be and you know and trying to redefine that identity can be exciting though as well you know once you get past the fear yeah. it can be exciting because you know the possibilities are endless yeah totally and I think you know that's another thing that I wanted to sort of try to make clear in the story is that, you know, you don't ever have to have that sorted. Like we don't have to have our lives together at any point. Like it is a constantly changing and constantly. Who, who has that sorted? Who has all their lives sorted? <laughs> Tell me who Influencers they are. on Instagram have their lives right, sorted, okay. allegedly. <laughs> don't you think it's always like... one of those, uh, like people say, you know, you've got your ducks in a row, but there's always one duck who is misbehaving and is way miles away. It's always one. Miles away, <laughs> down the road. You, you cannot have them all in a row. No. It's impossible. And <laughs> impossible. I think, you know, it's stupid that we even ever kind of say that people should have their yeah. life together. You know, it's a, it's a really weird thing to say because I feel like it's so restrictive and it, and it stops people from, you know, taking risks and stuff as well because, you know, it's, it's scary to step outside and step off the path and, you know, the road less travelled, all of that sort of stuff. But that's when all the most exciting things happen. So it, I feel like we should stop 
kind of pushing that narrative that anyone has to have anything together at any point. <laughs> yeah, no, listeners, you don't. We don't. We're not even we going to pretend. Definitely don't. <laughs> and when I said one duck, one duck's going to stay, it's probably five. <laughs> oh, it's at least eight out of ten ducks who are doing whatever they want. <laughs> to be and two are asleep. <laughs> yeah. But I like uh, what you said about, you know, the because if you think about the really hard things in your life, they're the points where you change the most. I mean, that was that's the case for me. Has that been the case for you too? So it's almost about you know, going through this awful pandemic endlessly. It's almost like if you stop resisting, and this is my what I'm trying really hard to do, <laughs> Tobias, trying to sort of lean into that difficult stuff rather than resisting it because it's happening whether you like it or not, and yeah. trying to just go, okay, you know, what can I take out of this that doesn't suck, you know? Yeah. So I think that was part of, you know, what Luke is trying to do as well. Yeah, because there's, there's so many hurdles and there's so many hard things that we all have to do, um, you know, often to, often to do with loss and grief and that sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, they're just unfortunately a part of life, but you have to deal with them and you can deal with them in very, very not positive ways, but you can, you know, like you said, try and get, something out of them in some way which is not always easy and sometimes doesn't feel right and if you want to just be sad about something then be sad about it yeah, but sure. if you can then eventually you know look back on it and realize that you grew or you changed or you took something else and it's yeah it's certainly not always easy to do um you know I think I guess in the book you know with with Luca's dad um that kind of comparison you know in his grief for his wife who passed away when Luca was a very young boy and then Luca losing this kind of part of himself you know I I like that interplay that they have in kind of both dealing with loss of a very different thing and in very different ways and but then in the end sort of you know being able to learn from each other's experience um, and sort of help each other move forward through through all that kind of stuff. Mm, I loved Luca's dad. I actually wanted to mention that I loved him so much because often in, you know, I love YA, but sometimes in YA, the parents, you know, they're not part of the story. And that's fine because they may not be part of the narrative, but I really liked that because he was part of this narrative, you really built his character and he was just such a nice, a nice man. I liked him. Yeah, I really like Luca's dad. And he, it's funny, I, when I talked to my mum the other day after she reread the book, when she got her physical copy, um, she was like, is this based on me? And I was Aww. like, well, kind of. Like, it's kind of you. It's kind of dad. It's kind of me if I was a dad. You know, I'm just, it's kind of just a bunch of different things. And Aww. I just really like him. And I just love that he, you know, is so open. And, you know, we've been talking so much about vulnerability. And I think he, as a parent, really encourages that, which is not always the case. But, again, I think that's kind of me being aspirational in what I would like to be like as a parent mm -hmm. um, and being really open and stuff. But, you know, he's not without his flaws and he has a bit of a temper and he obviously, you know, isn't processing his grief in the best or most healthy way possible. Um, so he's not, you know, this kind of perfect character, but he's a very nice dad. And, you know, I, I really loved that I was able to write that kind of father-son relationship without um, without Luca's sexuality being an issue, even in the slightest. I, yeah. I felt really strongly about portraying that in the book. And it's not to say that, you know, there aren't characters who deal with coming out in, in a more difficult way and stuff like that. But it just was really lovely to be able to write that relationship where it's just 
a complete non-issue and it's just a part of life, you know, because I don't think we see that a whole bunch in yeah. in YA, especially father and son. It's, yeah. a little, and think, it's a little rare, I think. And I think you're right. And I, I was actually, I really liked that part of it as well because I think, you know, we're evolving when telling that story, you know. We're evolving in terms of, no, it's not... It doesn't always have to be the story about, you know, the hard part. It can be about that beautiful relationship built on, you know, unconditional love and support mm. and encouragement. I mean, that goes both ways too. Obviously, there's some teenage attitude, which we've all experienced. But at the end of the day, you can see there's real love there, you know, and they really care for each other. And um, I just thought that was really nice. So I really liked the dad. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but you had some great characters in there. I mean, all the characters were great. Even your villains were nice to hate you know <laughs> it's a good feeling i like i like that feeling come on gibbo it's 2021 oh get with it. right get with the program. <laughs> 1973 uh, come on gibbo <laughs> you know you're getting very invested in the book when you're sort of you know shouting at the characters come on yeah, mate. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when i knew i was really i was in twice <laughs> yeah <laughs> um now debut novel in oh, pandemic weird times i saw a post before the book came out i mean the book's only been out for you know not very long it's already hit the uh you know bestseller in booktopia so that must be a good feeling but it must be also a little worrying i guess having a book out in this very difficult time yeah it's interesting and i mean I work in publishing as well, my day job. Um, so, you know, we every day are talking about the status of the market and how sales are going and all of that. And I, lately I've been trying to really tune that out. <laughs> just maybe like <laughs> take my headphones out when my boss starts talking about it on a Zoom call. Just it, nod. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like obviously, yes. It's, yeah. So it's, you know, it is stressful knowing that it's not sort of, you know, a normal time to be releasing a book. But, um you know, I, I do think that books always find the people they're meant to find. And, you know, whether it's 10 people or 10,000 people, you know, we kind of have no control over that in the end. And as authors and, and publishers, I feel like, you know, you do your best to get it out to the masses, yep. um, but it doesn't always work. And sometimes, you know, really small books are very surprising and can reach a huge amount of people. So it's it's kind of just the luck of the draw, I guess. And I'm certainly not the first author to publish a book in lockdown, <laughs> and I'm sure I won't be the last. Hopefully um, soon that'll be a last. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And I mean, like, you know, everyone has been so supportive and encouraging and everyone understands that it's a weird time. And um, I, I guess the only kind of sad thing is that you can't go to a store and sort of see it on the shelf, which is that kind of really special moment yeah. for a debut author, I think. Um, and I know I will get to do that eventually, but it is... It is weird not to be able to do that, you know, on, on publication day to, yeah. to hit the town and, and, you know, go stalking the book in all the bookstores. <laughs> um, but aside from that, you know, it, it was a really special week and I really felt the love um, from everyone. You know, the, the Australian YA community is, is so amazing. Um, yeah. Authors and readers and booksellers and, and other publishers and everyone has just been so incredibly supportive. So, yeah, I, I really can't complain. It's been pretty amazing. And the book community, like you say, they're just just a wonderful group of supportive, encouraging human beings. Yeah. Like, honestly, you just it's, it's kind of addictive, you know, being part of that book it community is. because everyone is just so incredible. Yeah, they're just so nice. And I think, you know, I when I stopped performing and, and got into publishing and sort of found this new day job in publishing, I 
was a little bit worried about what the vibe would be like because coming from you know a, a musical everyone is just so fun and loud and it's you know it's just constant kind of laugh and really joyous but you know moving into publishing I was like oh this is so different but everyone is still so nice and just loves books like mm. when you're surrounded by people who all just love the same thing whether it's theater or whether it's books or whether it's I don't know like accounting if anyone loves accounting <laughs> out there it's, you know when you when you're surrounded by those people it's just really infectious and the vibe is just so amazing and it's just really lovely to be able to spend kind of my Monday to Friday just geeking out about books with other people who love it you know it's just such a nice feeling yeah I feel you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now, a question that, you know, if you have listened to the podcast, device, you know I'm going to hit you with this last question. So, mm-hmm. of course, I want to ask you, why do you write? Um, it's a very hard question. I will <laughs> tell you that. I love the pauses. <laughs> I should have prepared my answer, but I do like No, that. no, I don't like very that. I like you to just think on the spot. It's funny because people will give me um, a very quick answer and then I'll just pause and then they'll go, actually <laughs> they'll give me this very long answer so you just have to wait the pause out <laughs> yeah I think for me it just um I just have a very strong need to tell stories and I think you know for the the most part of my life I was doing that on stage and I was telling other people's stories which is a really special thing to be able to do as well to take other people's words and inhabit their characters and sort of translate that for an audience is really, really special. And, you know, you have some pretty profound moments doing that as an actor and as a dancer. Um, And so I guess, you know, when I stopped doing all of that, it was about, you know, how can I continue just to tell stories? And then writing just seems like the natural progression of that. And I think it's, I think everyone is drawn to stories, whether they know it or not. You know, we all spend God knows how many hours watching Netflix and that's just stories, you know, and people might not sort of make that connection necessarily, but I think humans just crave stories and we love, you know, being able to see the world through someone else's eyes. And I think it's a really special thing. And I feel very, very privileged to get to do that now through books and writing. It's Mm. pretty cool. You're absolutely right about storytelling because what do you do when you hang out with your friends, whether it's at the pub or at the theatre or at the cafe, you tell each other stories. That's the thing. Yeah. This general chit-chat and yeah. catching up is still stories. stories. And, you know, some of my friends, they're, like, they're just the best storytellers you've ever <laughs> met. Like some of them just astound me. I feel like in my day-to-day life, really interesting things don't happen, which is probably why I write fictional about things. Maybe they're just better at embellishing the stories. Maybe. I don't know. Some of my friends, the stories, honestly, every day you see them and they're just like, okay, so. I'm like, your life is a sitcom. Like, this is ridiculous. Please write these down. so much. It's so great. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, Tobias, when you're out in Sydney, out in the bookstore, probably with a mask on, let me know. I'm going to come. I'm going to come and just visit everyone in bookstores and look at their books Let's and go it. out into the world and um, yeah. really, really missing that. So yeah, it'd be amazing. great to be able to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Tobias. It's been such a great chat. I mean, we've covered a lot of ground in those 30 minutes, but it's such a we great have. book and so Thank much you. to talk. No, so much to talk about because, you know, it does. It's a fun book. It's a gentle book, but it just goes into these really, you know, nice, deep territories too. And I kind of liked the idea of it. You know, there's some serious issues in there, but it's also a really gentle book. And I liked that. I, I read a lot of crime fiction, <laughs> a bit addicted to crime. Uh, yeah. This was a really nice break for me in terms of headspace to just read something just really kind of i don't want to say wholesome in a bad way but it was just it was kind of beautifully wholesome <laughs> fine. You know? i loved that yeah but i don't want to, yeah. to distill it just to that because it's so many other things as well yeah. but it was just such an enjoyable read um and oh, i think if you're going to read anything in the pandemic this is it it's just a joy <laughs> <laughs> thank you that's very sweet Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.